The Bible declares that in Acts chapter 2, where Peter is speaking, he says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. So I want to speak a bit in terms of my personal testimony. In terms of my personal testimony, I want to just share for a few minutes the tremendous opportunity that God has given me in the past and still now, the opportunity to be able to do what Jesus did. The first thing that I, 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 would, I would recommend uh, to anyone that is called, I think you've got to be called first uh, into ministry. You've got to be called. The Holy Ghost has to fill you. The Holy Ghost has to empower you. And uh, that is why Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, he said, don't do anything, you disciples. Go to Jerusalem and wait. And the Holy Ghost will come upon you. It is awesome that what we saw, the first revival ever in history of the world, when Peter stood up to preach after the Holy Ghost, the mighty, like a mighty rushing wind, came into the presence of the church, 120 people. And it was so exciting to see that 120 people were in the church but 3,000 were outside the church. What a sight. And God has also given me that, that, that type of privilege in my ministry where, where he's allowed me wherever I've been to to, 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 to minister with signs and wonders. And uh, I believe the very first, first verse of Acts chapter 1 where Luke writes and he says the things that Jesus began to do and teach. And so it's vitally important that you must be born again. It is, you don't just look, and I say this, the theology school I admire, but that doesn't make you a man of God. There's a practical outworking in your life of coming face to face in a way with Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. This happened to me sometime back in the 50s when I was a little boy, I was school, primary school, and a woman, a pastor woman, Pastor Bradshaw, and that time I'm talking about the 50s, had a vision of where we were living, a place called Mirbank, the suburb of Durban. And she had a vision of that place, and the Lord said to her, go to Mirbank. This is so awesome. And I speak for myself, my journey, that she turned up there, was about 13, 14 years old. And from three houses, and in those days, it was nothing wrong to have what they called a wayside Sunday school, where children would be invited in the community, and they would share the gospel. And eventually, three homes away from us, they started in a home. And uh, I got involved by visiting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this, I came out of a Methodist uh, background from the 1500s. I can't go too far back, but 
the Lockenburg, that, there were three Lockenburgs, the one that landed in Cape Town, the other in uh, Eastern Cape, and the Lockenburg that I related to, it was in between the Eastern Cape and uh, uh, Natal, KwaZulu Natal, not far from Durban. He landed and his uh, job was to uh, uh, release missionaries uh, all over the Eastern Cape. And uh, we, I came from that background. And so, so going to church was nothing strange, but experience Jesus, a relationship with Jesus was something I never had. But at that time in the 50s, I went there and by age 16, uh, I preached my first sermon. But then what happened? With that salvation, I went uh, to go into the works of the flesh. Uh, because of the 60s, now uh, the Elvis Presley's and all that stuff uh, it was on the forefront and we were young and we were drawn away in the flesh. It is awesome that even though I was drawn away in the flesh, there were incidents that uh, would bring me back to Pastor Bradshaw. The one incident was while I was working in a particular place called Aikopo, I was in the toilet and uh, uh, relieving myself, but something beautiful happened. On the floor was a piece of paper. And I picked it up, a newspaper, dirty, but when I picked it up, this little paper, it had the funeral notice of Pastor Bradshaw. I was running in the flesh, but somehow the Holy Spirit, I didn't know then, would always give me a reminder. But the most beautiful experience in 1974 was when Jesus Christ himself visited me. And uh, in the home, by the time I was now teaching at a primary school, and he stood before me. I saw him with my eyes. The room became extra bright. It was so awesome that for a minute, I put everything down, I raised my hands up, and all I said was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then suddenly, the Holy Ghost rained over my whole body like raindrops, a drizzle. And then he disappeared, he was gone. My late wife, with our youngest baby, ran to the kitchen. And I said to her, I saw the Lord. But that particular day, that particular day was a turnaround that I encounter with Jesus that has so influenced me that now where I am in, I still believe that through that, rather I should say through that encounter, I began to move in the realm of the supernatural. I began to move in things that I never dreamt of. I began to talk to people and they would just weep and kneel down and say, I want to get saved. I wasn't actually realizing at that time that I was in a, the Indonesia revival. 
which affected the whole of the world. I didn't know. I began to see. Then I, I found out that what God was calling me to do, I needed a mentor. And the Lord led me to a man of God, to one of his services. And this is so interesting because when I walked in there, I was sitting at the in the last row with my wife. And there was such a surge in me to go up to this man for him to pray to me. Eventually, I was the last person that got to him. And when I went to him, he asked me, what are you doing here? I said, I don't know, but I know I must be here. But he, in turn, turned me around, never knew me, didn't even ask me what was my name, turned me around to face the congregation. And he told the congregation, that afternoon, while he was praying for this evening service, the one that we were in, he saw the emblem on my tie. And by the virtue of that, we joined hands and he led me for a good 12 years, teaching me by, in terms of hands-on, working on the field. And I began to see such miracles that up to this day, I'm so grateful that God allowed them things like blind eyes, deaf ears, dumb people, crippled people, tumors big the size of a tennis ball. I saw these things in my ministry that God had given me. I was so blessed uh, 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 that he even allowed me to touch other parts of the world, India, Singapore, India, South and North, Ghana, Nigeria, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Swaziland, South Africa, England, Wales. And I've been so blessed in this area that my heart, my heart wants to share with the younger folk. I want to share and the younger folk saying, guys, it is just more than head knowledge. It is revelation knowledge of the word of God. It's epic gnosis. It's not gnosis. What's written in the Bible will never change. Forever settle in the heaven. I've had these opportunities, rather. And I'm so grateful. There's much more. But I thought I'd encourage you today that it's not a head thing. Paul said, I didn't come to you in the excellency of speech and knowledge has come, I came to you in the demonstration of the gospel. And I believe at the times we're living in now, and I'm so glad I'm alive, that we see a revival that will boggle the mind of men and even Christians. What I saw in the 70s, 80s, into the 90s, caused me to walk in the supernatural all my life. And I want to encourage you in these few minutes that have been given that there is a way that God wants to encounter you. And because during those encountering years, he dealt with my life. There's a thing called testings. If you look at the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, when the Bible says he was led by the Spirit, into the wilderness and he was tempted, he was tested. The whole idea 
before he was acknowledged, before he was proved, approved, he had to be proved. And so the first test the enemy gave him after 40 days of prayer and fasting was the natural, where he said, if you are the son of God, change this stone into bread. So this is the first thing, the, the, the enemy will test you with your flesh. And you know the answer, and this is very important when you're dealing with the enemy. You don't fight him in your own strength. You need the Holy Ghost anointing. You need his power, but above all, the word of God. Jesus said it is written. The second test was his mind, his soul. He offered he offered Jesus this whole world system if he would bow down to him and serve him. Again, it is written, Jesus said. It is written. You see, I want to say this. The church is missing something. We have known once you're born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I go further, baptized with the Holy Ghost, tongue-talking. Then it's no more uh, anything else but opportunity from God. Every moment there is an opportunity when you are with God. Not what we call today offers. If God does not offer, God gives you an opportunity. Like right now as I'm speaking to you, there's an opportunity for you to open up your life to the Holy Spirit. There's an opportunity for you to believe God. And this is the most awesome thing that I depend on. I absolutely, absolutely believe what God says. What he says in his word, I believe it. And then my faith operates on that word. My faith then is motivated by that word. That's why Jesus said, he said, listen to that man that was battling with his son. He said, listen, do you believe that I can heal this boy? He said, yes, help my unbelief. What we're saying is, as Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. For him to get to that place, just coming down from the mount, when he left the wilderness. The wilderness was his place of being proved. But you know Mount Transfiguration, as I come back to Jesus, was the place where he was approved. At the river, God said, this is my beloved son when he was being baptized. Now, when he was on the mountain, he said, this is my beloved son, hear him. He was now approved, he went through the tests. He was approved and the cloud came over him. Oh my God. This cloud was not a rain cloud. It was the glory cloud. The cloud that helped the Egyptians to sense the presence of God as they left Egypt. This cloud was over with him there with Elijah and Moses. And they were standing and talking about what his assignment was. And we see that this cloud comes over him 
shining. And that cloud was the glory of God. Oh, I can go on and go on from anointing to glory, but I want to, I want to get to a place where you understand that must be born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, water baptized, Holy Ghost baptized, place where you get tested to, uh, to be proved, you're tested, you're tested, place where you, uh, the anointing comes into your life. Uh, I won't touch that now, but the anointing comes into your life and there's a beginning of a preparation deliverance of things, mindsets, things of the flesh, letting them go and dying to self, like Paul says, I die daily. So all these things that God puts you through or allows to happen to you for you to be approved, to preach that word with signs and wonders. God bless you, Pastor. Oh, wow. Uh, if you can elaborate more on um, how, how the demonstration of the signs and the minister himself. So there's the ministry and the minister. And uh, how do they both work together? Or is because when you go home, you're not, you're not a preacher any longer, you're just you. And so yeah. the ministry can overtake the person. And how do you balance that? Uh, sir, it's one of the most difficult issues because on the one side you have the Holy Spirit, on the other side you have the enemy. So you are not a robot. I am not a robot. I am a man who has been anointed, who has prayed for the glory in 1983, but who at the same time has the feelings, you know the story yourself, all these things. So there's a thing called in the Bible, uh, uh, discipline. Uh, the life that we live has to be disciplined. That's our side. Now I have seven steps that I use in teaching this also. Uh, the first step is commitment. This is uh, going to answer your question. First step is commitment. To any journey you take, this commitment. And so your first step is commitment that you're born again and you save. The second commitment step, should I say, is dying to self. Now, it's, it's, it's I want to tell you something. Pride is something, you, I, I had pride as a young man. I went through a tough time dealing with that. I had to humble myself. Paul says I die daily. So that's the discipline. When you get home, your commitment tells you, you're still committed to God. You still have a wife, you have children. I would, uh, the early years we said God first, church second, family third, we were wrong. It's actually God first, family, then church. Because if you've got a God-fearing family, you'll have a better church-going person. So the first step is commitment. The second one is dying to self. 
The third one is to be teachable. That is why we need mentors. That's why we need fathers. In fact, in fact, in fact, my thinking, I don't want to say it's a church thinking, but my thinking when I look at Paul and Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, hand down, it's a handing down, it's a pattern. Uh, uh, men of God should raise up their own sons that when it's time to hand over, they hand over the basic principles of what God taught them as a father. They've seen the fruit of the father. They've seen the works of the father and he hands it down to his sons. And don't give, this thing is not supposed to be given to anybody. It is supposed to be caught, not taught. And so when I go home, I realize, and of course the great teacher, the Holy Ghost, if I'm sensitive to God, he will be able to, to lift the anointing because you, 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 you can't live with the anointing. If you overstay under the anointing, you can die. So normally, what we do, my wife and I, we come back, we have a cup of coffee, well, we're just two of us now, no children, but we have a cup of coffee, we chat a bit, we relax, and we go to bed to let the anointing lift, because if the anointing don't lift, you'll die. So I, I lean on the Holy Spirit, walk. Now, I, I picked this up from Benny Hinder years ago. He says, you can't work with the Holy Spirit unless you walk with the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit will be the one. Pastor Brendan, I believe Omaha will give you the warning. Don't do this. Don't do that. Now, my warning is very simple. If I'm doing something that's not right, my peace goes. Then I know I've lost it. But you have to rest. You have to be real uh, in the sense of your discipleship that you have to have these times where you arrest, you know. I, I, let me tell you, when we were newly saved, we didn't even go to the beach. We thought that it will distract us. We didn't realize you could go with your family and sit there. We didn't realize you can pray, or you can pray for someone with a speedy on. We thought you must have a, a, a suit and a tie to pray for somebody. But then when you grow in the Holy Ghost, when you grow with him, walk with him, and become a personal friend to him, he'll tell you, separate yourself now, go home, unwind, have some laughter time. Uh, we do a lot of laughing, very healthy. And uh, spend that time with your family. It's a must. It's a must for any minister if you don't want to burn out. If you don't want to burn out. And when you burn out, you won't even know you're burning out. Are you with me, sir? Yeah, so you've got commitment, dying to self, be teachable. Obedience comes. Obedience, number four. Uh, should be mid. It's a, sorry, commitment, self. Self-denial. Self-denial, right, secondly. There is teachable. Fourth is obedience. Fifth comes 
recognition. Sixth becomes release. See the recognition when 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 I give something to my son, I'm talking spiritually and say, Lord son, this is it. Uh, I will release you to open a church. So he takes from me spiritually. And what revelation God add unto him from him, he uses. But the recognition is not the recognition from man. It's a recognition from God. Now we're talking about the growing up and the disciplines. God recognizes you. And then he's released to God from that recognition. Because if we release him to man, man will expect him to perform. But if we release him to God and say, Lord, we give him back to you, he will experience the Lordship of Jesus Christ in his life. And that to me is very important uh, in, the, in the church life. But we that are the ones that are the visionaries are gonna be the ones that are, are very, very careful in allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us these things. <clears throat> so if one walks in those seven steps, and comes to the place of being released to the Lordship of Christ. Sorry, the last yeah. one then, just, just sorry to cut you. The last one you had, obedience, recognition, release, and? Lordship. Lordship, okay. You get saved. And then is your savior. Then you've got to get to a place where he becomes your Lord. I'm going to use a, a worldly expression. When the boss says jump, you don't ask why, you ask how high. Are you with me, sir? Are you with me? This is the whole thing. I see some questions popping up. Yeah, the first one is um, by Brother Joffrey. If you can elaborate just a little bit more on signs and wonders and miracles. And then uh, Victor Tamil Naidu in India, how do you know the Holy Spirit has filled your heart? Let me answer the second one quicker. You'll know because the evidence of the Holy Spirit indwelling you is speaking the heavenly language, which is called tongues. That is vitally important. Paul writes in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, that this tongue edifies you, builds you up, and it also causes you to speak mysteries to God. Very important. Paul says even in the same chapter that I speak in tongues more than you. It's a language which links with your spirit and the Holy Spirit. And it, it, there's this refreshing, there's this, this, this turnabout then, you see, if you don't have revelation of the word, you won't be relevant. So the Holy Spirit plays a vital part in, in John 16. Jesus said, when he comes, he'll show you all things. He'll lead you, guide you. And so 
getting to know the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. I pray more than tongues than in English because I believe it, I accept it, fully accept the Holy Ghost in my life. I trust him. He's Just to cut you on that one, uh, in today's churches, um, we are quick to ask people to accept the Lord into their lives in the altar, at the altar. How is it that we are no longer seeing people being filled with the Spirit and then speaking out in tongues or any giftings manifested? And what can a preacher do to see greater of that manifestation, especially in members' lives? Yeah, you can't give what you haven't got. You can't give what you haven't got. You can't lay empty hands. So the leader of that church, he himself must be fully, 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 his life must be given over to the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost will lead you to Jesus. He'll never lead you to the devil, the true Holy Spirit. He will show you things to come. In fact, you know, in fact, some of our plans we make for the year for the church our churches say, this is our aim this year. Sometimes, I say sometimes, I'm very careful. We could be missing the mark with our, instead of asking God, what do you want me to do? You know, the Holy Ghost, he's the chairman of the church. Jesus is the Lord, but he's the chairman. He's the one. The apostle said, it pleased the Holy Ghost and us. The Holy Ghost was so real, so real to them that, uh, 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 you know, it, it was like he was there with them, sitting with them. And so, so we, that are the leaders of the church, and, you know, the, the, the visionaries of the church, must make sure that all these things are happening to us. Do Holy Ghost all come from God? <laughs> Jesus said, I'll not give you, if you ask for bread, I'll not give you stone. If you're truly born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, you'll have the fear of God. And I'm sure I have such a confidence in God that what I ask him, he will give me. So the, the devil has no part with this thing. I, as, far as, my, as far as I'm concerned, He's not part of my life. I don't glorify him. I don't speak about him. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin, that power, when he sees that blood, he will flee. When you walk with God and you, you, you are hungry and are thirsty for God, he will not give you a stone if you ask for bread. That's your city. That's your assurance. It's your belief in what God says in his word. I can't doubt. I can't doubt God. It's so now, just on that there, right? Uh, there's one question here that says that, how do you know you are burning out? So now, say you did mention something important that if you don't have something, you can't give something. Many preachers here who are, will say, faithfully serving the Lord, have been missing out on the empowering from the Lord. So how do they get to that place? And then the one who is really giving out and 
how does he know he's burning out? And then the last question would be, he wants you to share more light on recognition on your seven uh, levels. All right. You know, you know what I love about burnout? I got burnt out. Uh, it's one of those things. Catherine Kuhlman got burnt out. Benny Hinn got burnt out. It's one of those things because that we are flesh and we're carrying the supernatural power. And it's so nice to see the miracles. It's so wonderful. And you get carried away with that. And what happens is because it's not a spiritual thing burnout, it's a natural thing. It's your physical body. We neglect our bodies. That's the first thing. We over, we over, you know, we think the world can't go on if we're not preaching. We have some wrong conceptions that we think about ourselves. I should think that if I don't go out every night, go out every day, casting out every, that God can't manage. So your thinking must change. Uh, that this thing is not a spiritual thing. The body is, is carrying such power. I keep telling guys, even the anointing can kill you. Because your body, and you know, I asked God when I was better, why didn't you tell me? He said to me, you've got a brain. Are you with me? The other one was about, uh, could you repeat this uh, other two? The one was on recognition. He needs you to just clarify a little bit more on it. And right. um, I, I, the tongues one, I won't go into it now, whether it's from the Holy Spirit and all that. That's another day for another session. I would like to focus on the minister and the ministry, the signs uh, following the ministry and the minister's personal life. Because I think that's the, uh, there's a lot of all preachers here and all of them are going through different stages and those who already functioning in the in the in the move of the spirit and some wanting to, some don't. So I, I think your I believe your time here would be so important to be able to speak into those lives. So I'll leave the tongues one from a call it a theological point of view, if that's okay. No problem. I hope I haven't tramped uh, uh, on anybody's toes. But no, no, it's I fine. Think. It's fine. We these are this is not uh, as, uh, young men here. Yeah? And young women, I would hope that everyone is mature enough to to see that um, uh, how you see discipleship is about learning, and we all need each other. And whether we you've gone before and you're uh, an elder amongst us in the in the in the body of Christ, so it's important that we come to a place of also learning. And so I would I would hope that the brothers here will be mature enough and uh, to listen to the need. Yeah, so, uh, so I think the recognition one is important. Yes, what happened? Okay. That's the last one. Yeah, the, the recognition, the last one. Okay, all right. Can I speak? Uh, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Recognition in this aspect, because when you start talking about commitment, I'm talking about commitment to God. So, so this, the seven steps, is a, is a matter of growing in God spiritually and of course there are things that you 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 have a brain to consider 
is a body that's carrying all this power. Uh, so recognition comes like this now, like if you take our church, where we at, uh, we have up and coming young guys, we've got deacons, elders, etc., Sunday school teachers, the whole work. But what happens as they keep coming to church, they keep applying themselves in the things of God, they're living a disciplined life. The Holy Spirit in them begins to elevate them. Uh, uh, understanding now, like if you were going to school, you go to grade one, grade two, etc. You're elevated by the knowledge you've received and exams to pass. But so in his life, or her life, she is maturing. I like the word maturing. She is maturing. And this maturity of the spirit, God begins to recognize it. We, as leaders in our church, we recognize it also. Because we've got the Holy Ghost with us. The same spirit. And so what happens to that person? This recognition comes up, and we are then able to, let's say, for example, at the end of November, we are going to ordain uh, some ministries in our church. Uh, fruit of recognition becomes seen in the person, spiritual fruit. And then, now by the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then by the, the, the uh, ministries, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and so on, we begin to see that this boy or this girl starts operating in the gifts because the Holy Spirit gives gifts. You know, you begin to see a healing there, you see a healing there. Uh, you see this there, you see that there. And then uh, that now becomes the recognition is the spiritual fruit of that uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, that seven steps of discipline, a disciple, uh, begins to be seen by fruit of the Spirit. Are you with me? That, that makes sense. Uh, one thing, uh, let's talk about this part where ministers who are not uh, functioning nor listening to the Holy Spirit, what would there be their steps on being able to go down that route? Well, you see, you see, look, uh, 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 there are churches where people are soundly saved. I can, I, I don't know now, but the years back, I really admired the Baptist church. This is my view now. It's not Bible view. Nobody, just my personal observation. Uh, the way they carried themselves, I mean, they were saved. They were saved. So salvation, salvation it, it prepares you for a new life in God. And the rest of what God has for me, I, I, I read it, I must hunger and thirst for it. A simple principle. Uh, 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 your salvation will prevent you from hell. That's what I believe. If you're living in it, you know the word. But uh, if for my personal observation now for after uh, 48 years is that if one does not accept 
the Holy Ghost baptism, living in the world will be difficult. That's my observation. I was talking to just incidentally to a lady who was running a rehab in Durban. I was preaching out there. And she was always saying to me, I'm not always, she said to me, hey, I don't feel satisfied. I don't feel I'm achieving much. And also I asked her, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? She said, no. I said, no, that's the purpose why the Holy Spirit came. The purpose came was to lead you into all truth. And one of the truth is, is that you must be born again, etc. But he also helps you, he's a helpmate, help you in the work that you're doing for the Lord. Besides the tongues, the tongues is just the language, but there are other assets that the Holy Spirit will add to your life. So if one doesn't hunger for those, I, I believe they do themselves short of living that fulfilled ministry because the gifts are there, the ministries are there, and they all operate. Because even Acts 13, Paul became recognized by God because the Holy Spirit says separated. Separated him and look at what he achieved through the power of the Holy Ghost, the writings of the letters, the miracles that he did. So the miracles, you know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So I put a high premium on the Holy Spirit because no matter what happens, he'll never lead me away from Jesus. He'll always lead me to Jesus. He's our helper. I can just put it like that shortly. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's very important. Now, the, the life of a minister in reliance to the Holy Spirit, not just in the meeting, but in the quiet times, how does the meditation or that word looks like? Oh, that what? time of that quiet time. Uh, quiet time, yeah. He's, he's number one. In fact, he waits for me to come to my room. Because there are certain things he does to me. Like right now, I'm talking to you. My whole body is covered with the power of God. Uh, it comes in the form. That, that one is the heat. It's a sign over me. It comes all over my body while I'm talking. If someone was here now, they believe God has healed them. You know what I'm talking about? He, he, he's, he's, he, he's so wonderful. He's God, the Spirit. He's so wonderful. He's God. That he, he waits for us to come into our closets. Jesus went up into the mountains. He, 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 he received, the Bible says, the Spirit without measure. The Old Testament was double portion. He received without measure. He was overflowing with the Holy Ghost. So I can't see it for myself with all the love in my heart. Don't want to be critical, but I can't see why a born again Christian uh, cannot hunger for the Holy Ghost. Is it perhaps they don't see it? Is it perhaps they don't uh, desire? Maybe it's that, I like what you told me about believing and unbelief. And I think that would be the heart of most people um, stepping out or even wanting to submit 
maybe maybe touch on unbelief and belief and doubt. Yeah. Okay. It's very simple uh, uh, in that in our creation. Now, now I usually use a room uh, or use the world system. The world system is three dimension: width, length, and height. And we live in the third dimension. That's the world world system. We live in the system, so we think that way. And so what happens? Anything that wants to come into that box that I'm living in, the three dimension. If I don't know it, I don't understand it, I criticize it. If I didn't create it, I criticize it because my mindset is three dimension. So belief starts from where I am sitting in this box. I'll use the box, for example, three dimension. I hear somebody preaching the gospel, right? Because I'm three dimension, I have a problem. Mm, that can't be true. No, I, uh, the three dimension is where the brain works. It's where intellect, intellect works. Now, what happens? I'm desperate. And suddenly, I hear this gospel and something happens in my spirit because whether I'm saved or not, I have a spirit, human spirit. But now the first point I said, I don't accept it because of fear. I've never stepped out into that realm. I am scared. Even I'm reading my Bible, but I'm scared. So fear... And if you go to the Garden of Eden, that's where Satan opened the door of the heart of man. He feared. I was afraid. Just putting it shortly. Now, unbelief, I mean, doubt, is having the information, like I said second time, having that hey, I can be born again, I can be changed. But I say to myself, hell, you know, I don't believe that can happen, it's unbelief. Now I'm thinking, should I or shouldn't I? If I go this way, then it's going to be boring. Why? Because I haven't got sufficient evidence. That's doubt. Now, unbelief, this is the one that is a killer throughout the Bible, is having all the information, having it all refuse to believe. I'll give you an example in the gospel when Jesus went to Nazareth. By that time he was known, miracles, signs and wonders, preacher. He went to his own hometown and they said, isn't this the son of Mary? Isn't this a little boy that grew up? Is this Brendan from Pochepston? You know, you go to Pochepston, isn't this Brendan? You know what? They saw the eyes open, they saw blind, but now they, they just can't believe it. It's you. So unbelief in the Bible is a killer. Killer. God writes you off. It happened in the wilderness. And how, why, did, why were they perished in the Old, in the Old Testament? It's because they didn't mix their faith with the word. 
Hebrews 4. Hebrews 3 speaks about unbelief. Hebrews 4 speaks about mixing the word of God with your faith. Now, that's the thing. The moment you want to come out of that box, you're going to have to believe God. And the moment you believe God, he takes you out of the box into the fourth dimension, which is faith. Faith immediately kicks in and you get into the dimension now of believing. I don't know if I made it as clear as I can. Yeah, that's clear. This is go over it again. So doubt is what? Uh, fear is fear. You're, you're scared, you're scared, you're getting nothing. And God. then, and then uh, the next one? Doubt. Doubt. Is having in insufficient, having information, but not enough. And then unbelief. Unbelief is having all the information, but refusing to believe. The Bible says Jesus could do a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Now, the thing is, the minister preaching gives a good sermon, but don't believe his sermon. Yeah. You see, that's why the seven steps are important. That's why they must grow up. You know, I know I'm not going to be popular, but I'm going to say it. Say, the say, it, say it, speak your mind. <laughs> Fathers are needed. We, look, I know you're running a school, technology, theology, and all that. Please don't get me wrong. I, I say go there. I have no problem. But when you come back into the house of God, you've got to come back to dimensions. And that's where some of them get blocked. And I'm sorry, son. You're my son. I love you. But I'm not saying close down Bible schools, etc. Nothing. But I'm saying while you there, get back to the Bible. Must your, your students must read Acts chapter one. Three important statements there. First one, the things that God began to do and teach. So now, now your, 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 your challenge is even greater. I think you're beginning now, you're telling me, you're saying miracles are happening because now you can now have a school of ministry where you can take these guys and say, come, I'll show you how to heal. Teach them first, like you do, and say, come on, guys, just go and do a healing session. Tell them to bring, like uh, this one guy in Nigeria, he said, uh, the schools of healing where they would bring people to the school and then uh, they would heal them and they would go home and the, the ministers, they would learn, they would participate in this thing. Now you got yeah. from Tamanaidu again. He said, how do you know that the Holy Spirit has filled your heart? How do I know? Yeah. Oh, no, you must remember now, like I said to you earlier, you have ministers here who've gone through Bible training, who have pastored churches and have been faithful as missionaries in some sort, serving. But the Acts chapter 2 and the Acts of the Holy Spirit is, is very little demonstration in their ministries. So how the, the point here is, is not so much of how to, but rather, how, you know, where does one develop that, that, that communion with the Holy Spirit? And how does one communion? Right, okay. Let's look at Acts 1. I was telling you, Jesus began to do and teach, verse 8, 
wait for the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, go to Jerusalem, wait. And the third one, the angels say, why do you look up? The same one is coming back again. So there are three vital teachings of the church or doctrines of the church. Now, Acts chapter 2 is very clear. The Holy Ghost came upon them. They began to speak in tongues. They started healing. Peter started in healing. So the healing, the practical, comes when you allow the Holy Spirit to baptize you. Simple and clear. He's the one that will say, Pastor uh, Brendan, this is your purpose here on earth. And when you do that, fulfill that purpose, uh, like Jesus did, for this purpose he came to destroy the works of the devil. And it also says how God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power. Again, Holy Ghost and power, healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. And so, Holy Ghost is the key in the church. Holy Ghost is the key. Very simple. Get down on your knees. Lord, I'm your child. I'm born again. Baptize me. Jesus is the baptism. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost. I'm not getting up from my bed here until I'm baptized. And I know that if you, I ask for Holy Ghost, it's very clear. Jesus said it. If you ask for the Holy Ghost, he will not give you bread, he'll not give you stone. The devil has no pardon. He'll come into your bedroom, he'll try and convince you all that your mind will go berserk, but you stick with God, the Holy Ghost will come in you. There are no failures of God. God cannot lie. He's not the son of man that you would repent. Oh my God, He what he says he will do. And Jesus said in John 14, my son. He said that if you ask the Father anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. That's where I'm starting to live now, son. That's my life story. That Father, I want, according to his will, of course, you want me baptized with the Holy Ghost? I want it. So Jesus, you told me in your word. You said I can do greater things than you. Not greater in quality, but greater in more things than you. You showed me. You said, Lord, if you believe in me and these signs shall follow me. I, I, I declare the word and I decree it over my life. And I know if I'm speaking the word of God, the devil or demon is going to come near that word.